Good morning. Good morning. I hate to almost, whoo, there it is. I almost hate to turn the music off. Y'all were talking and laughing and having such a good time. Well, I just want to add my welcome to you, those that are here at the sanctuary and those that are online. We are so grateful that you chose to worship with us today. Uh, I am Reverend Phyllis Baird, one of the associate pastors, and it's just an honor to be here. Now, at the end of your pew, you see those black registration pads. Will you please fill those out? And if you're online, please register your attendance. And when someone comes, hand it to them. Now, I invite you as we start our worship to please stand for our call to worship. We are called to love the Lord our God. We are called to love the Lord our God. We are called to love with all our mind and strength. We are called to love the Lord our God. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling? Falls here. Yeah. I was talking to somebody, the, like the, I turned my heater on in the car this morning. Wasn't that, it, was, it was crazy. It was a weird, weird feeling. Uh, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us uh, this morning. If you're online, hey, if you're here on campus, we're so glad you're here as well. We're going to start with a fun song this morning that we do a lot here. It's called Child of Love. Let's sing together.
I found a world of freedom. I found a friend in Jesus. I am a child of love. I'm going to climb a mountain. I'm going to shout about it. I am a child of love. I found a world of freedom. I found a friend in Jesus. I am a child. sing this song together. And all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday is gone. And all my sins are forgiven. And I've been washed by the blood. I've been held by the Savior. I felt fire from above. And I've been down to the river. I ain't the same, a prodigal return. And all my hope is in Jesus. Friends, please be seated. I'm Mike Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're entering into the part of worship 
that we call prayers of the people. This is our opportunity to take a deep breath, to think about what has happened already today and the things that we believe will happen, a chance for us to offer gratitude to God, uh, our petitions to God, to be connected to one another in prayer. Uh, so it's always an important, sweet part of this service. Throughout this prayer, there will be times where I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and our response together will be, hear our prayers. And there will be a place toward the end of the prayer where I'm going to mention the first names of a number of different people, people who are in the hospital, people who are under hospice care. Uh, and there will be a point where I'll say, are there any others? It's a chance for you to verbally lift up anyone that you're thinking about and praying for this morning. So with that in mind, let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for this new day. As Clint said earlier, all we have to say is fall is here and applause will naturally happen because it really is wonderful. The refreshing feeling outside, the, the beautiful visuals in yards, the, the smell of corny dogs and all manner of fried foods that are wafting right now from Fair Park. It's just a sweet, sweet time of year, and we're grateful, O oh God, grateful that you offer us each new day. And we're grateful, O oh God, that you accept our words of confession because we bring this morning our, our proneness to being selfish, of not wanting to look beyond ourselves. And we know that with your help and your presence, we can do that. And so we come today with a desire to pray for others here in our church and in our community and throughout the world. We especially this morning pray for our sisters and brothers in Israel and in the surrounding area. We are shocked and horrified by the attack. And we know, God, that you long for peace and that you work for peace and that you have the final word in every situation in every conflict. Because of that, we say thank you. And because of that, we always trust in you, Father God, for you are the creator of all things and you call them good. Your creation testifies about your power, grace, and love. You offer us new lives, new hopes, and new opportunities. For all these things, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Everything that you create, you make free. But over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin and separation from you. And yet at our worst, you did not abandon us. You came alongside us as Jesus to redeem us, reconcile us, and restore us to relationship with you forever. For this salvation, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Always and everywhere, we are never alone. Through your Holy Spirit, you guide us, inspire us, and shine a light before our feet so that we may learn to walk in your ways. For this constant presence, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Hank, Shirley, Judy and Melody, Daryl, 
Len, Edward, JP, Corey, Ralph, Arlene, Kay, and for Patsy's life and legacy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Are there others? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For all who seek to change their lives and find peace in you, guide us, keep us, and make us into your people. And Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. I want to invite our ushers to begin to come forward for our morning offering. Uh, a couple things. One is we're kind of in the beginning of October, and every month we have this tradition that if you put a dollar bill into the basket, it will go to a designated outreach. And this month, it is the clothing bank at the First Street Methodist Mission. So your dollars can make a difference specifically right there. The other thing I want to mention is, if you aren't aware of it yet, over in Wesley Hall, there's a party going on. The party is called Rise Against Hunger. There's music, there are hairnets, uh, there are families, there are ways for us collectively to work together toward the goal of, of packaging 14,000 meals for people in need around our world. Literally, it's because of you, because of your generosity this day and so many days like this are possible. So we simply say thank you. And we want you to know that between 10.30 and 11, there's a 30-minute slot that you can go over there and experience it for yourself. And if your schedule allows, I hope you might do that. Let's have a prayer together. Oh God, for these gifts, we give you thanks and for the opportunity to give as a community. We are incredibly grateful and we are your children. Praying in Jesus' name, amen. Right now, breathe in, breathe out, no more drinking the dirt, I'm thirsty, those spirit of resurrection flowing through me. You made me a new creation. How can it be? Living water, deep within me, saturate my soul like a river. Take the levy, let it overflow. I can never have too much of your love, your love, yeah. Living water deep within me, saturate my soul. Oh, 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 only what's done for you will last So break up this dry ground Spring a well from the inside out Living water deep within me Saturate my soul Like a river, break the levee Let it overflow I can never have too much of 
saturate my soul like a river break the levy let it overflow i can never have too much of your love your love yeah living water deep within me saturate my soul Katie Copeland. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 1 to 21, and chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. So make yourselves comfortable. <laughs> I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition, and invite you to read along in your own Bible or one of the pew Bibles in front of you. The scripture is on page 162 of the Old Testament of the Pew Bible. Moses convened all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances that I am addressing to you today. You shall learn them and observe them diligently. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Not with our ancestors did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the fire. At that time, I was standing between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And God said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath, under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male or female slave, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, neither shall you commit adultery, neither shall you steal, neither shall you bear false witness against your neighbor, neither shall you covet your neighbor's wife. 
Neither shall you desire your neighbor's house or field or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God speaks through, to us through the reading of scripture. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Katie, for that brief and succinct scripture reading this morning. I appreciate it. In defense to me, it's hard to say, like, just read, like, the first four commandments and then cut it off. It doesn't really work that way. Hey, everybody, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here with us in person, that you're with us online. To those of you who are still eating beignets on Fifth Street and trying to brush off powdered sugar, I look forward to seeing you when you're finished. I'm so thankful that y'all have joined us for worship today. Uh, before we start, a couple quick words of acknowledgement. One, I want to let you know why everything looks so different back here. We actually have a hymn festival that's taking place at the church this afternoon at 3 o'clock. We did one last year, and it was a huge crowd. People came from all over. It was really great. So if that's your bag, uh, make sure to check it out. Another thing to make sure to check out, this is an interesting factoid. What's the most viral video that's ever come out of the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth? Is it any of the sermons that Lance has given over 10 years? No. <laughs> is it any of the world-renowned speakers that we've had come speak here? No. The number one viral video that has ever come out of this church is a video from two years ago when our uh, music director, Thomas Williams, played a handbell solo. And it was so funny because I was a part of Thomas's interview process. And if y'all don't know Thomas, he's the music director of the choir and the orchestra. I mean, so much, so much, so much talent. And he has the most modest resume ever. And his resume was, you know, good at this, good at this, good at this. He's much better than good at those things. But on the bottom of his resume, he put exceptional handbell player. <laughs> And I was like, we'll see about that. And we did. <laughs> so whenever Thomas does a handbell solo, the internet servers melt down. So if that's your jam, if you don't believe me, come check it out. He's going to be doing another solo this Sunday. What a weird thing to be excited about. I can't wait for the handbell solo. That's when you know you are a churchy guy. Uh, again, I want to add my gratitude to all the people who are a part of Rise Against Hunger and serving. Uh, many of you have already served a shift. A number of you have shifts coming up. This church is serving and packing up meals for 14,000 people today as a community, as a chance to give back. It's an easy way to serve here on the campus alongside your church family. One of the many things that we do here just to make sure that we're a church that's continually focused not on ourselves, but on the people who are most desperately in need of support and connection with the people who love them. So, that being said, uh, I want to ask just real quickly, this is, this is going to be participation, quick show of hands. How many of you have ever been preparing for a day of work or school and you thought you knew how the day was going to go and then you showed up and the day was totally different? Anybody ever had that happen? Okay, anybody ever happen? Awesome. Anybody ever had that happen with their sermon? Okay smaller group. Um, so 
For those of you who aren't familiar, I'm the, the, the regular preacher here at the church, and my style is one that's a little bit more casual. Uh, don't regularly use notes or things along those lines. But the process of preparing a message takes all week long, and I do a lot of study, particularly studying uh, things like commentaries and exegetical texts that help you kind of pull more meaning and context than you might realize out of the text, read how other preachers and teachers have dealt with the text, do a lot of praying over it, uh, and a lot of try to work together over the course of the week. It takes a lot of work to make it look like you're making it up on the spot. Thought that was going to get a laugh. Um, and so I was prepared for that this week, and that's what happened. And then my Saturday, my yesterday, was devoted uh, to uh, two main activities. One was youth soccer, where I continued to coach the worst under six-year-old team you have ever seen in your life. I, I think the owner is going to get me fired. We are really bad, and I'm trying so hard. Uh, and then going and watching another child's soccer game. So I did that while having just the maximum appropriate amount of Texas OU football in my ear at the same time. And so that's what I was focused on most of the day, and it wasn't until the afternoon that I watched the news. And for those of you who aren't aware, big news came out yesterday from Israel and from Palestine. Uh, leading news all around the world came out, and I'm not qualified to say exactly what happened. All I know is what I've seen on the news, but basically uh, people, led, people who are part of Hamas, which is an organization that is a political and military organization inside Palestine, launched a surprise attack in southern Israel. It included rockets. It included um, people with guns. It included kidnappings and all those kind of things. And then Israel is now in the process of responding. And this is all right up in the air, right? And it's all happening. And it, it's really upsetting to me. It's really upsetting to me for a number of reasons. I think one of the reasons that it's really upsetting is that I think we're all beginning to get a new vision into what actual violence looks like in the world of social media, in the world of cameras everywhere. We, we now know what it looks like for a residential building to fall down. We've now seen what it looks like for people riding in the back of pickup trucks and AK-47s to roll into a neighborhood. We've seen what it looks like for families to be herded together, and I'll just, I'll let the story in there. We, we see that now in a way that was maybe harder to see in previous eras if it wasn't happening right in front of you. That visceral experience of what violence looks like is so much easier for us to encounter nowadays. Um, two, this is really upsetting to me because the Holy Land means so much to me. This is the land where I believe Moses and the people of Israel literally walked. This is the land that I believe in which Jesus literally walked. This is the land in which the apostles walked. This is the land in which the story of our life and our faith originated. This is our land too in that way. And so to see the most sacred places on the world be so profaned by things like violence is, is really personally upsetting. For those of you who don't know, we have a group of 50 people from our church who are signed up to go to Israel in uh, January. Um, and for those of you who are part of that trip and asking what's going on with the trip, the answer is, I don't know. Uh, if it's safe, we can go. If it's not safe, we can't. That's why we work with professionals for whom this is not their first rodeo who can help us navigate it. Um, and one of the reasons that it's also so upsetting to me is I just don't understand. Can I just be humble and say I just don't understand? I've actually spent time trying to, to research and better understand those conflicts that have been active in, at least in my adult life, but of course so much longer than that. You know, 
our current political environment, just within our country, is so complicated and so div uh, um, divisive. And people who are studying it will go, you know, well, this all traces back to things that happened almost 70 years ago. And then you try to study conflicts in the, the Middle East, and they'll say, you know, these things really changed when iron was invented. You know, it's just so much more complicated. I just don't understand. And one of the last things that's really upsetting to me is that these things are happening um, amongst a people who have a faith in the same God that I do. And these are different religions, they have different perspectives, they have different creeds, they have different teachings, but all of us understand to be, ourselves to be praying to the same God. And so um, what happens a lot of time in situations like this is I'll, I'll pivot, I'll pivot and a new lesson will come to mind or something else that we need to talk about. And uh, what happened today instead um, is that I've been just praying. I've just been just praying for peace. I've been, just, I've been praying for these families on either side of man-made borders. I'm just praying for children. I'm praying for vulnerable people. I'm praying for people who need medicine. I'm praying for people who are just trying to heal wounded. I'm just praying for people who have access to weapons to find a better way. I'm just praying for them. And the thing that really upsets me is that I know that while I'm praying— to my God for those things, I know there are also people that are praying to the same God for victory. I know that that's just the case. And there was another article that I read this morning um, when I woke up, and it was an article about the continued decline of religious participation around the world, not just in Western Europe or the United States, but in a lot of places, a decline in religious participation around the world. And uh, that made me think about who my audience was today. The message that I have today is not to the government of Israel. <laughs> I don't think they're watching. Um, it's not to the government of Hamas, uh, the people who lead Hamas. It's not even to Christians in Tarrant County. Uh, the people I'm thinking about today are the non-Christian people, the non-Jewish people, the non-Muslim people, the non-religious people of the world, the people who just don't see a role that faith has in life. Because in the great amount of reading that I've done about the people who just identify as no faith, just agnostic, atheist, just none, you know, very, typic, very atypically, the people who, who have that perspective on life say, well, I just don't believe those things are possible. Very few atheists or agnostics will actually say things like, well, I don't believe that a resurrection is possible. I don't believe that miracles are possible. Um, I don't believe that divine revelation is um, impossible. What comes out much more regularly is they'll say, I just don't see that it's relevant. And the number one evidence that I see for its irrelevance is the behavior of religious people. And that's what I've been thinking about today. And so uh, I come to our message today with, with two really um, significant questions. One is, is a God whose people act like this worth worshiping? And the second question is, is are people worth saving? Is a God whose people kill each other, murder each other, profane each other, hurt each other, exclude each other, damage each other, rob from each other, steal from each other, fail to take care of each other, uh, is a God whose people do that worth worshiping? And then the corollary to that is, are people worth saving? Because I think that's the question that we have to keep in mind when we're talking to the people of no faith. Those, those are the questions they're asking. And so, it's in that context that I want to talk about the Scripture reading that we have today, because this was the Scripture reading that was planned for today. 
And if you're not familiar with it, let me give you a little bit of context. So a few thousand years ago, the people of Israel were living in captivity in Egypt, and they had grown and multiplied in number. Their slave labor was used to enrich Pharaoh and a bunch of other people. And then one day, Charlton Heston stood up and said, enough. <laughs> See, I had to bring the room back up a little bit. God communicated through God's prophet Moses and said, I've heard your cries. I haven't forgotten about you. You're still my chosen people. Through you, I will still do the redemption work of the entire world. Through your people, I will begin the saving work that is for all people everywhere, and you people are still a part of my plan. So they're brought out of slavery in Egypt. They go through the Reed Sea. Pharaoh's army is overcome by God's power. They go up to Mount Sinai, which is also called Mount Horeb in this text, and communicating to God... Uh, Moses receives the Decalogue as the fancy church word. It just means the Ten Commandments. And Moses shares it with God's people, the people of Israel. And, you know, it is so easy for us to think about things like uh, the Ten Commandments as just rules, that if you break them, you're in trouble. Because that's how we think about rules. But can I invite you instead to think about the Decalogue that's being laid out here as a guide of this is what our people are like. This is what we're like. This is who we are. These are our values. These are the things that you need to understand if you're going to live in relationship with me. So, for example, um, was anybody here raised in a yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am house? Were any of y'all ever raised in that kind of house? Yeah, a lot here. Um, why were we raised that way? We were raised that way, in order, and that's me calling, by the way. I've got we were raised that way because it was a value, right? It was a value in our household. It was in order for us to signal what was really important to us, what really mattered to us, what was really key to us. We were raised in a yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir house because it was not only about politeness, it was not only about connection, but it was also about community, right? And you realize the difference if you ever go to a, a place that is non Wait, what's what I'm trying to say? If you go to somewhere that's not a yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am place, and you start dropping ma'ams around, have you ever done that? Does it go well? It does not. I remember my first, uh, right out of college, I got a job when I was uh, 22 years old and I was working in a big corporate environment, and one of my jobs involved uh, taking Excel spreadsheets, printing them out, carrying them in my hand, and dropping them over to someone else's desk and putting the Excel spreadsheet on their desk. Real high-level work. <laughs> and then it would get marked up and it would come back to me. And I would say all the time to the person with whom I was speaking, she was a lot older. She was like 34. <laughs> and I would say all the time, thank you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And she kind of like, I was eventually like, don't call me ma'am. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And she was like, which is dumbest joke. Don't laugh at that. And, but I couldn't. I, I couldn't not. I mean, and she was like, don't call me ma'am. And I was like, I'm trying not to. It just is because I have been so shaped by this. It is such a value that's been placed into me by the community in which I was raised because it, I wasn't just at a yes ma'am, no ma'am house. I was in a yes ma'am, no ma'am neighborhood. I had yes ma'am, no ma'am friends, right? So I'm mamming all over the place. I'm yes sir, no sir to everybody. That's the community in which I've been raised. Those are the values that we have. And if you take me out of that community and put me somewhere else, that's still who I am. The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, 
is God beginning to reveal to God's people, this is who we are going to be together. You're going to have no other gods before me. I'm not going to be your ace in the hole. I'm not going to be your second option if these other gods for wind or for rain or fertility don't work out. I am your only God. And you're not going to reduce me to handmade things like idols or figurines because that's not able to capture the amazing power of who I actually am. You're going to treat each other with respect. You're not going to covet the things that other people have. Including that respect will be your elders, not to be discarded, to be cared for, and to be honored. You're not going to harm each other's bodies. You're not going to take each other's things. And above all, every once in a while, you're going to sit around and do nothing, not just because a nap is good for you, because it's in the midst of that non-productivity that you will realize you do not make the earth turn. But I do. They're not just laws that you need to worry about breaking so that you don't get in trouble. It's the instilling of values. This is who we are. This is who we are to be together. And it's a long journey, and there is so much yet to come because these people are brand new. They're brand new to this. And they fail over and over and over again because they're brand new to this. And 40 years later, It's come time for them to stop their wandering in the desert and enter the promised land to which God has led them. And their leader, Moses, stands up and he recalls the story to them of all the ways in which God has been faithful and all the ways in which God has showed up and all the ways in which God has kept God's promises to them even when they have fallen short. He tells this long story and he repeats the Decalogue to them. They failed so much to keep these commandments. They failed so much to be shaped by these commitments. They failed so much to actually become the people of these values, but God hasn't given up on them. And Moses says to them, this happened 40 years ago on a mountain. Most of us who are hearing me right now weren't alive then. But God made that covenant with us. Not just the people who are on the side of that mountain that day. God made that promise to us. And we today must choose to make it back. It's not just a thing that happened one time for them. It's a thing that happens every day in our hearts. So recommit yourself to it. And in order to help it sink in, He shared this additional piece. It's in Deuteronomy 6, and it's easy to actually hear today's text and think that that's the most important thing that's in the Scripture reading today. What really sticks out to me is the greatest commandment that's listed out in Deuteronomy 6. I'm actually going to read it. didn't plan to. If you find it on the screens, that's very helpful. If you don't, that's fine. This is the commandment, the statutes and ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you're about to cross and to occupy for the purposes that you and your children and your children's children may fear, which also means honor and respect the Lord your God all the days of your life. And then I'm going to step forward to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's a prayer that's called the Shema. I'm going to come back to that in just one second. That's a prayer that has a name. It's called the Shema. And then Moses says this, Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So these rules communicate the values and the purposes of relationship with God. And then here's a practice I'm giving you, Moses says. 
say these words over and over and over again. Literally write these words on pieces of paper and wrap them around your wrist and wrap them around your forehead. Have you ever seen people pray with tefillin and tzitzit? That's what that is, those actual scriptures written down and placed on their bodies. Put them on your doorposts. My college roommate, my freshman year, was a good friend of mine who's Jewish. And I walk into our room one day, and what's he doing? He's nailing mezuzah to the side of our dorm. Have you all ever seen mezuzah before? It's these scriptures, these little scrolls, written up and on the side of the doorpost. I think my friend, to be honest with you, is super Jewish like two days a year. But even someone who's culturally much more Jewish than he is religious moves into a new place, and what's the first thing he does? Mark it as sacred in the name of the Lord. Do this over and over and over again so that it sinks in. Do this over and over and over again so that it shapes you. Do this over and over and over again so that it forms you. Say yes, ma'am. Say no, ma'am. Say yes, sir. Say no, sir. Over and over and over again so that it forms those values deep inside of you and changes who you are. Do this recitation, do this practice, so that it moves you from just someone who's heard a bunch of rules into someone who is actually changed into the person God is trying to have you be. That prayer is called the Shema. Jesus of Nazareth, faithful Jewish man, prayed that prayer every single day when he arose. Prayed that prayer every single day when he went to bed prayed that prayer with his disciples every single day that they were together, prayed that prayer with his disciples every single night when they made camp, to practice and to form and to transform their hearts. One of the reasons I think it's so easy for people who profess no religion to find it irrelevant or uh, inactive in the lives of themselves or others it's because they've come to believe that religion is just about what you believe. That it's just about what you believe. That your faith is just about the tenets and the doctrines of what you assert to be true. And that's not what religion is about. That's not religion has ever been about. Religion is not about what you believe. It's about who you become. It's not about what you believe. It's about who you become. The Ten Commandments in the Decalogue, are given to us so that we can become that kind of people. The practice of the Shema is delivered so that we can become that kind of people. We have formation and values, and we have a way for it to actually sink in. As I was praying this morning, and just sad and upset and honestly scared because now I don't have a sermon, what came to my mind were two pieces of Scripture from Jesus, two pieces of Jesus is saying. Jesus who knew the, the Hebrew Bible front and back, right? Jesus who was a deeply faithful Jewish man. Jesus who knew everything about what it is that God commands of us because he kind of has a little bit of inside knowledge. The first thing that came to mind was what's said in Matthew 13. Jesus takes that Shema. He takes that recitation. He takes that prayer, and he takes that practice, and he expands on it. I'm sorry, is it Matthew 22? Did I say the wrong one? Yep, sorry. There's a lot of Bible, guys. 
someone asks him a question, and they're trying to challenge him. They're trying to undermine him. They're trying to make people no longer follow him or believe him. And the, the people of Israel have expanded through the prophets to now having hundreds of commandments. And so trying to trick him up, they say, well, what's the most important one? And Jesus leads back to the Shema that we just read. One of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Trying to get him to profane God. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And then he says, which is something they already knew, and then he adds to it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. These words that come to us from God through Moses, that come to us through God in Christ Jesus is the continued shaping and forming of God's people. Part of my question is, are people worth saving? All I know is that God keeps trying. Are people worth saving? All I know is God keeps trying. God keeps showing up. God keeps providing. God keeps showing the way. God keeps forgiving. God keeps healing. God keeps restoring. God keeps making new. Is a God worth worshiping whose people treat each other like this? All I know is God has told us over and over again what is good and given us the freedom to reject it if we choose. And the next question is, are people worth saving? And all I know is God keeps trying. So what commandments really matter? We have a decalogue. We have hundreds more. We have so much disunity in the Christian communities over what matters the most, right? But religion is not about what you believe. It's about who you become. The values that Jesus lines out for us, God's purpose for you is that you be the kind of person that loves God with all of your heart and all of your strength and all of your mind. That's God's purpose for you. And also, God wants you to love your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor who's scared you, your neighbor who's upset you, your neighbor who has wronged you, your neighbor who's frustrated you, your neighbor who has parked their unmarked boxcar in front of your house for like four months. That's a hypothetical. Your neighbor who's different than you, who believes differently than you. And then Jesus gave us words to help that sink in. Just like the Shema was given for the purposes of recitation so that it could actually change our lives, so that it could move from what we believe into what we are becoming, Jesus gave us the same thing. He gave us words that we could say over and over and over again to help actually drill into our hearts and transform not only how we see ourselves, not only how we see God, not only how we see the people that we love, but the entire world so that we could slowly be transformed through the powerful grace of God into the kind of people that God would have us be. And you know how important it is because so often when people ask Jesus a question, he doesn't give them a straight answer. He gives them a side answer or he asks them another question. Jesus is always doing that, except when his disciples ask, how do we pray? How do we pray? 
knowing that prayer is not just talking to God, but prayer is a vehicle through which the power and grace of God is actively changing our lives. How do we do that? For what purpose and to what end? And Jesus doesn't give them a riddle. He doesn't give them something interesting to think about. He doesn't give them some deep theological reflection. He says, when you pray, pray like this in Matthew 6. When you pray, pray like this. Y'all know the prayer, so it's not like I've really got a big secret here. Tell you what, let's do it together. Would you pray with me? Great and loving God, great are you and greatly to be praised. Lord, today our hearts ache for your people everywhere who are experiencing violence and fear. God, we pray for children scared and crying. We pray for adults worried about protecting what they've spent their entire lives building, worrying about providing for those who depend on them the most. Lord, we pray for the elderly who might feel incapable of taking care of themselves or others. Lord, we pray for those who need medicine. We pray for those who provide it. We pray for those who need food and those trying to get it to them. We pray for everyone everywhere trying to be safe in their own home. God, when we see no way, when we see a horrible story replaying itself over and over and over again, it's so easy for us to ask, are we even worth saving? And over and over again, you show us that you're still doing it. So Lord, we give you thanks in your Son, Christ Jesus, your ultimate work of salvation, not just for us, but for all people everywhere so that we can move from being trapped in this understanding that our faith is just about the tenets in which we believe and we can focus on instead becoming the people that you would have us be, people that love you with all of our heart and all of our strength and all of our mind and love our neighbors just like we love for ourselves in order to shape us, turn us, and transform us bit by bit, day by day. Help us follow in the steps of your son Jesus, who when we asked him how to pray, he told us exactly what to say. And so together we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As I invite forward those who will be assisting with the serving of communion today, just a reminder that communion is always the centerpiece of worship. It's the highlight. It's the zenith of our time together in worship and praise because this is a chance to come forward and to taste, touch, feel, and know the presence of Christ with us now and forever. On the day on which he was to give himself up for us, Jesus knew in moments that he would be kidnapped, that he would be tortured, that he would be killed in the most painful way imaginable just for proclaiming the goodness of God. And knowing how much the people around him would be scared, knowing how they would fear for themselves and for others, knowing how they would be caused to doubt whether or not his promises were true because of the horrible violence they had seen. He took an ordinary loaf of bread, gave thanks over it, blessed it and passed it, and said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, and when it's broken, it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, 
He took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it, and passed it. And he looked at people who he knew would see his body broken and bleeding, the very life running out of him, and how much that would make them wonder and doubt if he was actually real, if his promises were true, if his work was true, if he could really be believed. Knowing what they would see and what they needed to hear, he took an ordinary cup of wine, blessed it and passed it, and said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, the new promise, poured out for you and for everyone everywhere for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, no matter what's happening on the other side of the world, no matter what's happening in our own communities, no matter what's happening in your house or in your family or in your own heart, know that the Lord your God is with you and through Christ Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to save you and everyone else. This is not just for our church. This is not just for our community. It's for everyone today. As you come forward down the center aisles as you're dismissed with your hands held open like this, a piece of bread, some with non-gluten, if that's what you need, will be placed in your hand. You'll then go to the next station and a piece and some non-alcoholic wine juice will be handed to you. As you then head back up the outside aisle, you'll find a trash can for your now empty cup. Everyone who's in the balcony, there'll be a station up there for you as well, or you're free to come down to the altar. This is not for the First United Methodist Church. This is not for the gathering. This is for everyone, all ages, all backgrounds, all understandings, all needs. Like Christ's love, it is for you. The table is set. The meal is ready. Come forward and be fed.
waiting next to me. We gotta make some room for each other. Let my enemy be my family. Fill my cup till it's running over. There's an empty seat waiting next to me. We gotta make some room for each other. Let my As we come to the end of our time of worship together today, just a few quick words of announcement. First, if you're someone who's been a part of our community for a while and wants to find out how you can better plug in, how you can become a member, how you can find out how to get connected to group life or service opportunities, uh, Angie over at the uh, on-ramp would love to answer any of those questions for you. If you're a first-time visitor or guest, she also has a gift for you, as well as any kids that may be with you today. Also, we are a church that takes prayer very seriously. And so up at the front of our church. Uh, over by the Congregational Care Ministry signs. One of our pastors or Congregational Care representatives would be present. And if there's anything that's going on in your life for which you would love to have someone pray with you, please, please feel free to do so before you leave today. So coming to the end here, I want to ask for your forgiveness for two things and just appreciation. Thank you so much for sticking with someone who had to kind of come up on the fly with something so very different than what they planned on talking about. Thank you for your patience. Uh, with that. And second, thank you for your patience and understanding that there's no easy transition from saying, 
Uh, that was a pretty heavy topic. Also, don't forget about the beignet bus. <laughs> That's kind of a hard transition to make. So just want to throw out there that one thing we had on the calendar for a long time was the beignet bus. We were friends of ours. And uh, treat, it's on us today, chicory coffee beignets for you and for the family. It's our gift to you. Please stop by. Uh, extra bonus points if you're able to wear all black and keep your clothes clean of powdered sugar. So thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Would you please bow your head and receive this benediction? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you. And as you step out into this world, may the faith in the Lord your God move from just being about what you believe to how you are becoming a person who loves God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul, and who loves your neighbor as yourself now and every day. Amen. Go in peace.